story goes about a certain archaeologist. This archaeologist discovered a mummy, calls up the curator of a museum, and says to the curator, I have found a 3,000-year-old mummy that died of heart failure. The curator of the museum says, wow, that's amazing. Why don't, we, uh, why don't you bring him in? We'll check him out. So the curator, uh, the archaeologist brings in the, cur- uh, the mummy to the curator. The curator takes a look, at, examines the mummy, and says, that is amazing. This is a 3,000-year-old mummy, and it did die of heart failure. How in the world did you know these things? He said it was easy. Crumpled up in his hand was a piece of paper that said 10,000 shekels on Goliath. Uh, Ooh, I didn't write the joke. I just Today we are talking about the story of David and Goliath. And it is one of the most well-known, one of the most famous stories from all of Scripture, especially from the Old Testament. It's a story that has woven its way into our vernacular as a society. We talk about Davids and Goliaths. We talk about uh, the mom-and-pop store going up against the big box retailer, a David and Goliath situation. We'll talk about how the, the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team went up against the Soviets. You know, it was David versus Goliath. And we, we hear this all the time about these uh, teams, uh, especially in sports analogies, these teams that just seem to have no chance to go up against the team that, you know, is going to just mop the floor with them or should mop the floor with them. And it's a David David and Goliath situation, kind of like a Cubs-White Sox thing. Anyway, um, it's not a story of a boy who believed in himself. It's not the story of a boy who had self-confidence. It's the story of a boy who believed in God. That's what the story of David and Goliath is all about. It is a story, more than anything... It's a story of faith. See, David didn't believe in himself, but David believed in God. When you preach uh, from the Old Testament, the challenge is to find God in the story. Because we read all these different stories, and the challenge is to find the meta-narrative, the bigger story. And the bigger story of the Bible is God's story. The bigger story of David and Goliath is God's story. Where's God in the story? And that's what we're going to talk about today as we talk about having faith to slay giants. We've been talking about uh, our sermon series called Leap. It's a sermon series all about faith. And we've looked at some great stories of faith. Peter taking a walk on the water. Joshua asking for the impossible in faith. Faith that he believed that God would make the sun stand still in the sky. And sure enough, the sun stood still in the sky, just as uh, uh, Joshua had the audacity, the... the uh, The guts to ask for. It was awesome. So we've been talking about these different stories. And today's is no different. It's a story of of a young boy overcoming a, a champion fighter. It's a story of how God can give us the faith to slay giants. Let's face it. We all have giants in our lives. There are different kinds of giants. There's different ways of of looking at these different kinds of giants. It may be an addiction. It may be a a temptation. It may be a sin. It may be fear. It may be anxiety. In some way, there is some giant in our lives that we just feel like we cannot overcome. I can't do this. I'm too weak. I'm too powerless. I I don't have the power to overcome this giant in my life, this, this addiction, this fear, 
This relationship is too big to be fixed. And so we have these giants in our lives that we feel like we just can't overcome. And the key to overcoming, the key to slaying these giants, I believe, is faith. And so today we're going to talk about how David has had faith to overcome Goliath. We're going to talk about how God can help us slay the giants in our lives. If you have a Bible, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17 for the well-known story of David and Goliath. 1 Samuel chapter 17. If you look there in 1 Samuel 17, in verse 11, it says, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. They were dismayed and terrified. The Hebrew word literally means shattered. Have you ever felt shattered? What a, what a horrible feeling to feel so defeated that you feel shattered. The Israelites and Saul, the king Saul, were dismayed and terrified. So much so that they felt shattered. So you've got the Israelites... You got a guy named Goliath, this champion fighter for the Philistines. The Philistines were the arch enemy of the uh, Israelites, and Goliath was their champion. He had been fighting since he was a youth. He was over nine feet tall. Nine feet tall. He was huge. I imagine he had the head the size of a burrito. Any of you have ever eaten Don Andres 3? They have big burritos, and they're awesome. The burrito's as big as Goliath's head. Tony Martinez says it looks like a pillow, and it, I'm making you hungry. I'm sorry. Anyway, so Goliath has this big old head. He's got this. He's just huge and strong, and his armor weighed 125 pounds. The very just the the tip of his uh, javelin, the the point of it weighed. Um, uh, it says like 600 shekels. It, it's just incredible. Uh, the 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 weight, uh, 15 pounds, just in the the. Uh, the, the tip of his spear. Could you imagine a bowling ball on a stick and trying to throw it? And that's what, I mean, 15 pounds on the edge of a stick. And that was his javelin. That was his spear. Try throwing a 15-pound bowling ball attached to a stick. Not very easy. This guy was massive. He was huge. The Israelites were dismayed and terrified. They were shattered. Their confidence was shattered. Their faith was shattered. They were terrified. Every day for 40 days, Goliath comes out and he taunts the Israelites. Every day he comes out and he mocks the Israelites. He mocks God. Every day for 40 days straight, comes out there and mocks God. In verse 24, it says, when the Israelites saw the man, when he comes out to do his thing, they all ran from him in great fear. This is one guy against the armies of Israel, and they're terrified of this one man. David, the son of Jesse, is a young shepherd boy. He is the youngest son of Jesse. And his father sends him. His three oldest brothers are with the Israelites fighting. Well, shaking. So Jesse sends his youngest son, David, to go check up on his three brothers and to bring them some food. And he wants him to bring, he wants David to bring him back some assurance that his brothers are doing okay. So David goes 
And he hears the taunts of Goliath. David asks a very simple question. What will be done for the man who kills the Philistine or removes this disgrace from Israel? Says verse 26. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he shouted that he should defy the armies of the living God? Who is this turkey? David is young, impetuous, brave, full of faith. And he says, who is this guy that's got you all shaking in your boots? What is going to be done for the, for the man who kills this guy? Well, very simply, in verse uh, 25, the Israelites had been, saying, had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. I need a giant. I need a giant to slay. Free from taxes for the whole family? That's sweet. So they tell him, they, they, in verse 27, they repeat to David exactly what is going to be done for the man who kills Goliath. David's oldest brother, Eliab, overhears David asking this question. You know, how many of you are like the oldest in your family or have younger siblings? Here's the youngest, the baby of the family. I'm going to be Goliath. I'm going to be Goliath. And the oldest brother, of course. What is the matter with you? Who do you think you are? Why are you here? He's upset. He's angry. He's, he's frustrated at his little brother. It says, when he heard him speaking with the men in verse 28, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. He's, he's upset with his little brother. Little brother, what's the matter with you? So, David ignores his brother. He goes and says, I'm going to fight Goliath. Goes to Saul. I'm going to fight Goliath. Pick it up. Uh, 1 Samuel 17, 28 uh, through 31, uh, 29. Now what have I done, said David? Can I even speak? He then turned to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. When David said... Uh, what David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy, and he has been fighting a fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear come, came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. David's awesome. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Saul then takes his armor. Now, you've got to remember something about Saul that the Bible tells us Saul was over six feet tall. Saul was head and shoulders above everybody in Israel. He was a big dude. So he's got this heavy armor. He's got this tall guy's armor. David is a young boy. And he takes his armor and he puts it on David. David says, this stuff doesn't fit. I can't wear this. I'm not used to these things. It's like he grabs what he knows. He grabs his shepherd's staff. He grabs his sling. He goes down to the stream, pulls out five smooth stones. Anybody know why he pulled out five smooth stones? 
I looked it up. Remember a couple weeks ago, several weeks back, me and David did a sermon together. David Herbert and I did a sermon together. We, he talked about it. He said that he had heard that Goliath had four brothers. Absolutely true. First Samuel, uh, Second Samuel chapter 21 says that there were four Philistines uh, that appear to be related to Goliath. And so if David kills Goliath, he's got most likely four brothers who are going to come after him. So he grabs five stones, goes out there to fight the battle. Love the story, right? He's got a sling. He's got a stick. He's got some rocks. That's all he needs. And he's got God. But more on that in just a second. So Goliath then taunts David. Um, He says uh, to David in verse 43, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said. And I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Let me do my Goliath voice. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Thank you. That's what Goliath sounded like if he spoke English. Um, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll... David has some splock now, man. He's got some guts. This day, today I will give you, give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I missed it. The, this day the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you give all of you into our hands. Love that. The whole world will know that there is a God in Israel because I am going to cut you down today, Goliath. So he takes the stone, puts it in the sling, round it around and around and around, lets it fly right in the forehead, sinks into his forehead. Goliath falls down dead. David runs over there, grabs the Philistine's own sword, grabs Goliath's huge sword and cuts off his head, picks up his head and carries it back to Saul. Awesome. All right. The wonderful, fluffy, bunny story of the Bible. Um, So he goes back to Saul. And uh, it was, you know, David trusted in the Lord to give him this great victory. And that's exactly what happened. He trusted in God to give him this victory. And God, sure enough, gave him the victory. If you turn in your bulletins to page three, you'll see that there's a a handy-dandy outline to kind of follow along as we finish up the sermon today. There are three ways that David trusted in the Lord. There are three ways that David trusted in the Lord I want to talk about today. Uh, David trusted in the Lord's deliverance, first of all. The one who delivered me from the lion and the bear, David said, the one who delivered me from the lion and the bear will deliver me from the Philistine. The word, the Hebrew word for deliver literally means to rescue or save. The one who saved me from the bear, the one who saved me from the lion is going to save me, is going to rescue me from the Philistine. He trusted in the Lord's deliverance. What happens when the giants arise in your life? It could be fear. It could be anxiety, worry. Maybe you're worried about what's going to happen in Washington in a couple of days. Maybe you're worried about how you're going to pay the mortgage uh, that's due tomorrow. Maybe you're worried about uh, how you're going to feed your family. Maybe you're worried about uh, someone in your life, someone that you love who's, who's going through a hard time. Or maybe you just have general anxiety and fear. Or, or maybe there's some kind of sin that is in your life. It's a, a giant sin that you just can't seem to overcome, that you can't seem to defeat. You've got this addiction that you can't let go of, that you can't shake. 
You have a relationship in your life, someone that you love, someone that you care about, that you are at odds with, and you just can't seem to fix this relationship. This relationship can't be fixed. It's a giant in your life that you can't overcome. What are the giants in your lives? Who can rescue you from the giant? Who can deliver you from the giant? Who can save you from the giant? It is God. David trusted in the Lord to deliver him from the giant. And we need to trust, we need to have faith in God that he can deliver us from the giants in our lives, that he can rescue us from the giants in our lives, and he can save us from the giants in our lives. You know what? We cannot do it by our own strength. We cannot do it by our own strength. In Zechariah chapter 4, there's a great verse, Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. It says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And what that verse is in reference to is God was having a conversation with the prince Zerubbabel who was going to rebuild the temple. He's going to build the temple. And uh, Zerubbabel had no idea how it was going to happen. And God says, it's not by your strength. It's not by your power. It's not by your might. It's by my spirit. I'm the one who gives strength. I'm the one who gives power. The power to overcome, the power to be saved, the power to be rescued from the giants in our lives is the power that God gives by his Holy Spirit. We have a Bible study that we're doing on Tuesday nights right now uh, about prayer. And it's, it's by Jim Cimbala, the guy who's the, the pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle. You've probably heard of the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. And it's a church that is just filled with prayer. And they understand the importance of prayer. And they have thousands of people show up on a Tuesday night for a prayer meeting every week, week in and week out. And there are people raising their hands and people crying out to God and calling on the name of the Lord. And they're just praying and praying, praying that the Holy Spirit would fill their lives, praying that the Holy Spirit would fill the church, praying that the Holy Spirit would transform people. And that is where the power is. And yet we're so scared of the power source. We're so scared to tap into God, to plug into God, to plug into the Holy Spirit. And we're terrified of what may happen. But let me tell you what's going to happen. God is going to revolutionize your life. God is going to deliver you from the giants in your life. He is going to rescue you from the giants in your life. It is not by your strength. It is not by your power. It is not by your might. But it is by the power of the Holy Spirit of God that you can have victory over the giants in your lives. It has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with him. And that is the promise that God has given us. We need the guidance and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. We need to surrender and submit to the Holy Spirit to say on a daily basis, God, I surrender to your spirit today. Guide me and lead me by your spirit. God, I surrender to the Holy Spirit, to the Holy Spirit's guidance and leadership in my life. I can't do it on my own. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. I need your spirit. I don't want to downplay the importance of Jesus Christ and the fact that he died for our sins. That's the reason that he died was so that we could be forgiven and that we could be free, that we could have salvation. We could have the promise of eternal life. But one of the other reasons that Jesus died, one of the other reasons that Jesus rose again, because he says, when I leave you, I'm going to send the comforter. I'm going to send the counselor. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. When Jesus left, he sent his spirit to dwell in the heart of every believer, to dwell in the heart of every Christian. That whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But it is the Spirit who can empower us to overcome, to defeat. It is the Spirit who can rescue us from the giants in our lives. Whatever giant you're facing today, whatever giant you're facing this morning, maybe nine feet tall with a head as big as a burrito, but that's, it's nothing compared to the power of God. It is nothing compared to the Holy Spirit that dwells within you. The same power that raised God, Jesus from the dead is the same power that dwells inside you and me. 
And we need to tap into this power. We need to say, God, I need the power of your Holy Spirit to live an overcoming life. That I will not be bound, I will not be shackled, I will not be defeated by the giants in my life. The second way that David trusted is that he trusted in the Lord's protection. Saul says, here, put on this armor. David says, I can't wear this. It doesn't fit. I can't wear this. I'm not used to it. And sometimes we think, okay, I'm going to try this plan. I'm going to read this book. I'm going to, I'm going to take these steps to overcome this giant in my life. And Satan comes against us and attacks us, and then we realize just how weak we are. When the enemy comes calling and the enemy comes tempting, we realize just how weak we are because we give in. We give in to worry. We give in to sin. We give in to temptation. We give in to fear. And that, that the, the enemy comes against us and, and just attacks us again and again and again. And you know what I'm talking about. You can feel it on a daily basis. And you're just, this, it's not worth it. I can't do it. I can't, I can't make it. In Ephesians chapter 6, in Ephesians chapter 6, God says, I'm going to give you spiritual armor. By my Holy Spirit, I will give you spiritual armor to overcome the attacks and the lies and the barbs and the arrows of the enemy, of the evil one. So that when the evil one comes calling, I'm not leaving you to fend for yourself. I am going to protect you. He says, I'm going to give you a helmet of salvation. I'm going to give you a breastplate of righteousness. I'm going to give you a belt of truth. I'm going to give you shoes fitted with the gospel of peace. I am going to give you a sword. The sword of the spirit. I'm going to give you my word. For that is the sword of the spirit. It is the word of God. I am going to give you a shield of faith. That you can take your stand against the enemy. You can take your stand against the evil one. We have to trust in God and protect for his protection. That he will protect us from the evil one. That we're not left to fight the devil on our own. But rather we are given spiritual armor. A, a, a guy I know lives down in Terre Haute. Every day gets up and he puts on his armor. And he goes through each of those things that God has given us. The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, the shoes of peace, the belt of truth. And he literally thinks through each of those in his mind and about how he is going into battle that day. And it may sound goofy, but you know what? That man is prepared for battle and he prays for the battle that he knows he is going into that. How many of you pray? How many, how, how many of us are even aware that we're in a battle on a daily basis? Every day there is a battle going on for your heart, for your soul, for your mind. Every day it's a battle going on of who are you going to serve today and who are you going to follow today? Who are you going to listen to today? Are you going to believe the lies of the enemy or are you going to believe the truth of God? We're in a battle and it is the Lord who will protect us. We, it is not by our power. It is not by our strength. It is by God's power. It is by God's strength. God has given us all of the weapons that we need. He has given us all the defenses that we need to defeat the enemy. And the enemy will attack. The enemy will lie. The enemy will destroy, the, distort the truth. The enemy will tell you, you know what? It's not that big a deal. It's just a little sin. It's not that big. It's just a little addiction. Don't worry about it. It's not that big a deal. Sin is a big deal. Sin is a huge deal. Sin is what sent Jesus to the cross. Sin is why Jesus had to die for us. It's because we sin. And it is a big deal. We should never have the attitude of it's not a big deal. It is a huge deal. Jesus Christ suffered and died because we sin. 
And because of God's grace, that free gift of his love, we can be forgiven from, the, from those sins that we commit. But we should never treat sin lightly. We should never say, ah, it's not a big deal. Heaven forbid that we be, have a carefree attitude about sin. That it's just not a big deal. Because it is a big deal. God desires that we live lives of repentance, and that's exactly what we need to do. We need to repent. We need to turn away from sin. Say, God, I'm not going to, I need your spirit to fill me and to change me, to transform me, to sanctify me, to make me more like Jesus, that I may love others, that I may love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus died for us, and now we must live for him. We must not sin freely with no consideration of the cross. The cross must be foremost in our minds. The cross must be a a constant reminder there of, of what Jesus went through because of our sin. And how he willingly went and how he willingly died so that we could be free and we could be forgiven. And that is what we are. The last way that David trusted God is he trusted in the Lord's name. He trusted in the name of the Lord. I love what he says in in verses 45 and 46. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. He did it not for his own glory, not for his own fame, not for the wealth, not for the king's daughter, not for tax-exempt status. He did it for the glory of God. He did it for the glory of God's name so that the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. That's why he did it. He didn't do it for himself. He didn't do it for his army. He did it for his God. And he trusted in the Lord's name. And he He did it for the glory of God's name. And you know what? There is power in God's name. There is real power in the name of God. In Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 6, it says, No one is like you, O Lord. You are great, and your name is mighty in power. Jeremiah 10, 6. No one is like you, O Lord. You are great, and your name is mighty in power. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John healed a crippled beggar. And the the leaders of Israel wanted to know, by whose name, by what power did you do this? By whose name, by what power? They said, it is by the name of Jesus Christ that this man is healed. There is power in God's name. There is power in the name of Jesus. He says, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. In Philippians chapter 2, it says that, that God gave Jesus the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is the name that is above every name. And we trust in his name for forgiveness and for salvation. In Romans chapter 10, verse 13, it quotes the Old Testament. It says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In Acts chapter um, 22, Ananias told Paul, get up, be baptized, call on the name of the Lord, washing your sins away. There is power in Jesus' name. There is power in Jesus' name. And we do not tap into it. We do not not plug into the power of Jesus' name. I'm not not talking about uh, some kind of, you know, name it, claim it, in Jesus' name, give me a million dollars. 
I'm talking about in Jesus name, help me overcome this temptation. In Jesus' name, help me overcome this sin. In Jesus' name, cast out my fear. Cast out my anxiety. Cast out my worry. In Jesus' name, help me fix this relationship. In Jesus' name, help me. Help me in Jesus' name. There is power in the name of Jesus. And yet we feel so weak. We feel so powerless. We wonder how in the world did David do it? How in the world did he stand before this giant who dwarfed him? This huge fighting champion with this massive sword and his his shield bearer out before him. How did David do it? Because he trusted in the Lord's deliverance. He trusted in the Lord's protection. He trusted in the Lord's name. He did it for God's glory and not for his own. So do you believe, church? Do you believe Do you believe that God can slay the giants in your life? If you believe that God can slay the giants in your life, say amen. Amen. God can slay the giants in your life. He can slay the giants that come against you. He can slay the giants that are working against you. He can slay the enemy who wants to trick you, who wants to lie to you, who wants to deceive you. He can slay the giants that come against you. He can slay the fear. He can slay the anxiety. He can slay the worry. He can slay the tin, the sin. He can slay the temptation. He can do it. It is not by my power. It is not by your power. It is not by your strength. It is not by my strength, but it is by his spirit. And so we pray today. We pray today. Not that we can slay the giants but that God can slay the giants and that he will give us the victory, that he will give us the victory in Jesus Christ.